A billion years ago, two black holes merged, and such was the magnitude of the impact that it shred the fabric of space and time violent enough mm -hmm. to send ripples through a billion years, which were discovered recently and are called gravity waves. In 2017, Dennis Crowley and Ricardo Silva merged forces and produced an event so momentous that it has caused ripples across American soccer. And much like the merger of the black holes a billion years ago, its effect may be felt for many years to come. We are here on episode 28 of the Sock Takes podcast to discuss that event. Joining me, your host Nipun Chopra, is my regular co-host and the founder of Sock Takes, Kevin Johnston. KJ, how are you? I'm doing great. That was quite the intro. That was very poetic. Um, I, it really just set the tone. And of course, we're thrilled to have Dennis on. And I wonder what he's been up to. You know, I'm, is the guy just been living in a cave? I haven't heard his name at all in the soccer media lately. So, <laughs> Dennis, welcome to the show. How are you? How are you guys doing? That was uh, that was quite the intro, by the way. That was that was very deep. I felt like I was watching a Carl Sagan documentary. <laughs> it, it was it was inspired by Cosmos, the greatest great <laughs> show ever. Uh, so we obviously have Dennis here today, and he's been on a bunch of shows, including. Uh, Jason Davis is on a couple of days ago where he explained uh, his thought process and Ricardo's process. And we had a bunch of people reach out to us on Twitter. We're going to get to a lot of those questions, maybe not all of them. So let's get going, Dennis, because we only have you for a short amount of time. My first question for you is the one that has bothered me the most and a lot of other people. From the get-go, since the moment you ended up at on American Soccer, uh, on the American soccer scene, you talked about building an alternate pyramid from the bottom up to institute help institute ProRel, something that I totally agree with and a lot of people have as well. And then all of a sudden, without any warning, we hear that you're bringing in, uh, helping bring in this litigation that will change things and set it up top down. So what was the thought process of that? Well, it's not, it's, you know, I never see it as, a, as an e either or, you know, like the the, the end result should be the same to bring openness to the, to the pyramid, right? You know, coming, um, starting the, the club that we have up in Kingston two years ago, you know, we had a commitment to building that club and building it in our market, which is an admittedly small market, and then being as transparent as possible and helping other clubs start. And, you know, I feel like we've got a little bit of a movement behind us. And the strategy has been, let's do this from the bottom up. Let's get a whole bunch of teams together and let's, let's make magical things happen in our league and we'll find a way to get connected to other leagues. Uh, and that's been kind of the operating philosophy that we've had for the last, um, you know, since, since we started the club for the last two years. Um, at the same, in, in, in part, and part of that reason was that I, I didn't know how to do anything from the top. We're not connected to the top. There's a lot of people that try to lobby the top. And to be honest, I, I wasn't seeing that as a very effective solution. Um, when I got connected with Ricardo and we started talking, um, you know, I became aware that there might be other ways to, you know, facilitate some, some change in the pyramid. And that's where this idea from the, from the cast filing came from. Um, and so I don't want you to think that like, we're just switching our plan and going from bottom up and now it's all about top down, but uh, you know, you're we're really doing two things in, in parallel here. You know, we're going to continue to operate Kingston as we've been. I'll be writing another big blog post. I'm committed to, you know, getting, um, making it easier and more transparent to, to, to do things in D4. Uh, I'd like to continue thinking about how we connect to D3 and how D3 connects to other things. 
Uh, but at the same time, we have this, this, you know, this other piece uh, that's starting to unfold and, and hopefully the two of them continue uh, in parallel. And that was that brings us to the first question we got on Twitter from PANATX on Twitter. He says, do you want ProRail with MLS or would you prefer ProRail with separate and new D1 th through D4 leagues? I don't think I have a preference, right? Like, listen, right. at the end of the day, this is about, uh, it's about making soccer in the U.S. stronger. Uh, it's about giving uh, clubs at, a, at the lower levels more opportunity and they're having more in, uh, incentive behind them to invest. And it's about, you know, creating a more exciting opportunity for fans, too. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, call them Lego pieces, in, in the pyramid right now. And there's all sorts of different ways to assemble them. And, um, you know, I would, I would love to see this work with, with MLS. I'd love to see it extend all the way down to the teams that don't even exist yet. Um, and so it's, it's really, you know, the end goal is just making the open pyramid work. Uh, and I'm not thinking of it in terms of, you know, the proper names that are attached to clubs or to leagues. Mm -hmm. KJ. Yeah, Dennis, I'm wondering um, whose idea was it or kind of what was the backstory as far as you and Ricardo Silva linking up um, just to make the decision to file the claim in the Court of Arbitration for Sports in the first place? Had you guys been kind of brainstorming this for a while or was it one of you kind of took the lead on the idea and mentioned it to the other? Or what was the, the backstory of you guys joining forces? No, we, we had some... Um... You know, we have some mutual friends just from just from soccer stuff in general. And so there was a time not too recently that um, or I should say re pretty recently ago, uh, Ricardo was in New York and we sat down and we, we were just talking about different, you know, our different styles of approach and different ways to to to, um, you know, to think about how to how to affect change within the pyramid. And, you know, this this was one of the ideas Um that uh, this is one of the ideas that came up and um, you know, we just came to discussing it and it, it resulted in the, the filing that you all read about um, you know, which was, which was just last week. Uh, but I think it's, you know, what's interesting is I think, you know, Ricardo operates in the in kind of the upper parts of the pyramid, you know, with the Miami club in, in, uh, in division two. And uh, you know, I think what we're doing in Kingston has become a little bit of a representation of some of the, you know, some of the ambition and, and some of the greatness that's all, that's in, that's in D4, uh, in the NPSL. And, and you know, there's, there's a bunch of clubs that, um, that are in the same boat as us and a bunch of the, you know, clubs that are just like us. Uh, and so I think it's interesting that we're both coming from, um, really different, different parts of the pyramid, but with a, with a similar goal and similar aspirations. Dennis, one of the things that gets, uh, thrown has been thrown at you at least on soccer twitter the most gentle of places uh is <laughs> the idea that you're kind of taking a shortcut and uh and actually there's some truth to that but obviously with everything there's there's a nuance but the, the, the allegation is that you're taking a shortcut you bought into npsl and you want the ability to get to having a team evaluated at 200 million when you bought a team for fifty thousand. what is your response to that uh, well, I, I mean, I think you got to be kind of realistic about it, right? Like, 
I don't have any delusions mm-hmm. that Stockade is going to make the jump up to D1 anytime soon, if ever. Um, you know, we're, we're in a small market. Kingston is about 20,000 people. The Hudson Valley is, you know, the two counties together, is maybe a half a million people. Um, like, I'm not, I'm not in it to selfishly move my club up. I'm in it because I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that believe that good things come from an open pyramid. Stronger teams, stronger communities, more fans, more kids playing, more youth that are excited. And, um, you know, I, it's, I can, I can fully empathize and kind of understand, um, how some folks, you know, that are, that are behind D4, D3 clubs, it's sometimes it's difficult to say, what, what's the point? Why, why should I come and cheer for this club? What's going to happen next? And, uh, you know, in other systems around the world, like there's an easy answer to that. If we do well, we move up. Uh, you know, if we don't, then we move down. And, you know, that simple, um, you know, kind of that simple story of if we do well, if we invest, if people get behind us, if we all work to make it happen, we, we will work our way up. I mean, it's just when it's missing in the U.S., I think it hurts the entire pyramid. But, but and, here's, here's the here's the argument that's being thrown at you, Dennis, just sure. so we're on the same page. It's I think a lot of people do recognize what you're saying, that there would be opportunities. But what about the fact that there have been owners in, say, MLS uh, who have basically stabilized American soccer that was about to die, you know, in the 90s. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they have a serious, they've made a serious in, uh, financial investment. There have been owners in uh, USL and ASL who've made massive investments. What about the fact that their valuation of their clubs would actually reduce, at least initially, if ProRail were to come into being? Would it, would it dec- decrease or would it increase? You know, like, has that increased the overall value of the pyramid? Right? I can see re- the argument. The danger of relegation, wouldn't it uh, reduce the value? I don't know. I would think in this open system where I think the argument is that, listen, in an open system, you've got a lot more people that are gunning to get to the top. And the people that can stay on the top, those clubs are going to be worth more. You have more people that are, you have more fans that are interested. You'll yeah. be able to tell a greater narrative about all different parts of the pyramid, that it would raise the value of all teams, especially those that happen to be at the top. I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. I don't look at this as like we should open it up to decrease the valuations of the club. I think of it as like you open it up because it increases the incentive to invest. The invest, incentive in, to invest drives the interest from the fans and the investors. And overall, that would increase the valuation of, of everyone that's participating in the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move ahead from that, Dennis. A question that I thought was very interesting observation that we made was a uh, one of the lawyers uh, is a part of a, an excellent team that you guys have hired. That's Jean-Louis Dupont, who was involved in bringing uh, the, the Bosman rule into European soccer, has been involved in all kinds of important, crucial litigation. So was that your idea, Ricardo's idea? And how did that all pan out to get him and his team? No, by the time um, by the time I was in on these discussions, the... Uh, um, you know, John Luis has already been uh, involved. And so I came in, had an introductory conversation with him. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, very impressive individual, very impressive, um, you know, background. And he was able to walk me through a lot of the details of the filing. Okay. KJ? Yeah, another question I had, Dennis, was uh, an argument I've seen quite a bit um, since the news came out is basically it's almost like arguing it's like the second amendment of soccer let's say but if you're looking at the fifa bylaws i have it pulled up here 
I'm not quite sure how to say it, but it's 66, Section 4, um, Item Number 9. And I'll read it real quick. It's a club's entitlement to take part in a domestic league championship shall depend principally on sporting merit. A club mm-hmm. shall qualify for a domestic league championship by remaining in a certain division or by being promoted or relegated to another at the end of the season. So my question to you, Dennis, is um, how do you interpret that? You know, because I've heard people cite the word or and then there's also that vague word principally. And of course, uh, rules like this are always vaguely worded. And so I'm just curious to know what's your interpretation of it um, to, to mean that this means that pro rel is required. Yeah. I mean, without getting into, I mean, like <clears throat> I will let the, um, the claim to Cass fit, you know, rule on the, on the semantics of the, um, of the specific language. But I think, you know, the general understanding is that, hey, under under these FIFA statutes, it's expected that the leagues are open and that the leagues have open opportunities and equal opportunities for all of these, for all clubs, all the way down, uh, all the way down the pyramid. And, you know, that's that's the thing that we've been looking at. You look at and say, listen, just about every other FIFA member organization is following these rules, um, except except for the U.S. And, you know, the 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 filing you know you look at it, it's about 20 24 25 pages long you know if you want to distill it down to one or two sentences it's um it's hey these these are the rules that fifa lays out why does the ussf not play by those rules um and you know filing the um the, the cast filing is really it's an inquiry to try to get an answer to that specific question um Dennis, a question that we had from our good friend, uh, the mustachioed prince Peter Evans in Indianapolis. Um, he asked, "Do is you that your have... name for him, or is that his?" That name? is that is my name for him. Uh, <laughs> okay. He doesn't li- like it very much, so uh, I'm glad that I got to call him out on it. Uh, do you I'm glad and the call, others clarified that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you and the others involved in this litigation honestly believe that the court will find in your favor, or is this more of a platform to highlight an issue and create a form of protest? When, when we've been having discussions about the filing and, and um, you know, the specific language within, everyone that's involved thinks that we have a very good chance of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of winning this, right, of actually making change in, in the pyramid. You know, at the end of the day, the, the goal of everything that we've, you know, that we've been talking about and writing about with Stockade has been how do we get a more open system? How do we make this happen? And how do we get the benefits that would come out of an out of an open system? How do we get? How do we kick that, kickstart that, or jumpstart that? And um, you know, it's the it's the same discussion around the around the cast filing. You know, it's like we want the system to open up. We realize that like we could do it from we could, we're trying to do it from the bottom up, but you know, we would probably be able to do it a little bit faster or with um, a little bit more authority if we were able to get help from the you know from the top to enforce it as well. And so that's that's what the that's what the filing was about. Like, let's let's address these specific issues and see if we can, uh, you know, get get some awareness from it. But it's also, you know, also we, we do feel like there's we have a very good chance of um, of the ruling going in our favor. And I think that would do great things for the pyramid. Uh, question from Cleon One: If there was ProRel, would you financially and structure wise be able to play in D two or D three in 2018? Does Stockade have resources to pay players, cover travel costs, and everything else a pro team entails? No, 100% not. 
You know, we, we don't. But then again, it's like I said a couple minutes ago, like we're not doing this because we're trying to get our club in a better position. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's really kind of inspired me and that's, and that's got me really excited about, about all this stuff is being a part of the NPSL and running into other owners and meeting other owners that, you know, they're in bigger markets. They're having great success. They have large aspirations and, and seeing how they're kind of hitting a little bit of a brick wall where they're not sure what to do next. There's no clear path forward because there's no path to promotion. And so they're trying to figure out what's next. And, you know, just from being in a position where, where we're seen a, a little bit as a, as an influencer here, or maybe someone with a, you know, someone with a voice We're we're speaking up for some of those clubs, right? Like we may stockade may not solve this problem for ourselves. Like, even, hold on, even if these, even if there was a way to move up, we, we, we may not be able to do even D3 in one year, two years, three years time. But it's important that we have the option to do that. We have the ability to do that. That like if we can pull it off in, uh, in the Hudson Valley, if we can get the team together, if we can get the financial resources together, that we, that we have that opportunity. And the thinking is that opportunity should be available to all of those clubs across the U.S., um, and so I just, you know, I just want to reiterate, it's, it's not about us doing it for our club. It's about this, this structure and the infrastructure being available for whatever clubs want to do it, wherever they may happen to be in the U.S. KJ? Yeah, one thing I noticed um, among pro-rail zealots, kind of when they tend to complain on, on social media, um, good friend of the program, Kartik Krishnire, always points out, um, hey guys, you know, why don't you stop complaining and kind of put your money where your mouth is and, you know, um, make action rather than words. And he always says, Hey, be like Dennis. Why don't you be more like Dennis? So my question to you, Dennis is of course, not everyone has the type of resources and connections at their disposal as yourself. So to someone, um, even at the supporter level, or, you know, even if they're new to soccer and they're, they're a new fan to the game, um, what do you think is the healthiest and the best way for people to support the pro rail movement um, without being, the, you know, the crazy guy who throws a metal trash can through the window at Walmart? <laughs> I haven't met that person yet. Uh, the, the, this is a, this is an easy, this is the easiest question you guys have given me so far. You find your local club and support them. Um, you know, go to the matches, drag your friends to the matches, contact them and see if you can help out in any way. Um, I think I think that's the best thing you can do. I think, you know, a lot of it's just just awareness, you know, um, you know, we've been operating in Kingston for two years and we tell a pretty big story um, about, you know, about the club and the start of it. And and, you know, just like the motivations behind it. And there are still plenty of people that are like, wait, there's a soccer team in Kingston. And I'm like, yes, yes. I can't make any more noise about it. But that that's the reality of it. And you know, when we played our match down in Brooklyn, I'm telling all my buddies in, in Manhattan, hey, come out and support us. This team plays in Brooklyn. We're going to play this team in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Italians. And they're like, there's a team that plays in Brooklyn? Like, yes, yes, come on out. It's, a lot of it's just, just awareness. And remember, there's 96 teams in the NPSL. And so there is whoever is listening to the, the program, there's a very good chance that there's a team near you. Like, find that team and, and go support them. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um the next two questions we have kind of I'm grouping them together because they're kind of hinting at the idea of what happens if you lose. 
So Iggy1969 AD on Twitter and a good friend of the show and soft takes, Robert Hay Jr. asked the following questions. Iggy asks, any plan B if cast judgment hold up current status quo in U.S.? And Robert Hay Jr. asks, what's the long-term plan for Stockade if this gambit fails? Are you happy being a lower league owner? Uh, yeah. I, we, here, I'll, ask, I'll answer the second question first. Like, we love what we're doing in D4. This is a great league. It's, it's appropriately sized for, for the market that we're in. Um, and, you know, we, we're, we're going to continue doing what we're doing, continue writing about it, and continue using it as a model to teach people how to do lower-level clubs. Um, you know, we're having, a, we're having a ton of fun with it. Um, to the first question about what happens if we, if we lose, to, to be honest, we're not even really thinking about that. You know, it's like we, we look at the we look at the filing, you know, we, we talk to all the folks involved. We read the statute. It's like this looks like it's a it looks like we're in a pretty good position to succeed here. And the folks that are involved are very confident, myself included, in, in the ability for the, um, you know, for the ruling to, to, to come out in, in our favor to, to open up the pyramid, to introduce some of these changes. Um, you know, if if it doesn't we just keep doing what we're doing. You know, it's and then find it, find another way to push the push the agenda forward. Uh, I'll tell you what, like uh, one of the side effects of the of the filing has been just raising the awareness of of this and not, you know, I want to say like among a lot of the fans, like, yeah, people talk about pro rail and they talk about the good and the bad and can it happen or could it not? Um, but it, it's always it's always, oh, yes, some, you know, someday it will happen. We just don't know how it will happen. And now I, I think there's, you know, this is, this, there's a real good opportunity. There's a real good chance that, that, this, that this happens and pushes some change down through the pyramid. And I, and I think that, like, that's, that's like a, a, a great kind of, like, it's, it's, it's very, it's hopeful in a sense. It's a way that, it's a way that, like, if you're following this and if you're passionate about it, you can look at it and say, oh, my gosh, this, this, this could actually turn out. This could actually be the thing that, that changes things, as opposed to just, like, a whole bunch of, well, what if this and what if that? And, you know, I think, you know, long term, it's inevitable that these types of changes will come to the, the U.S. soccer pyramid. It's just a question of when. And, um, you know, my honest belief is that the, the cast filing might might be the, the, the you know, the quote unquote when that a lot of people have been talking about. KJ. Yeah, I wanted to turn our focus real quick to some on the pitch stuff. Um, of course, here at Sock Takes, we are we joke a lot about being shills, but we are an <laughs> official media partner of the NPSL, actually. So we're literally shills um, in your Shill. league. <laughs> so thank you. Um, Anyway, you guys had a very impressive season out at Kingston Stockade FC. You won the Atlantic White Division with a yep. very impressive uh, seven wins, one draw, and four losses. And I think then you bowed out in the second round of the NPSL playoffs. Is that right? Um, I think got uh, a win, yeah. beat uh, Hartford City FC the first match, and then fell on the road uh, to Clarkstown SC Eagles. So could yep. you just briefly kind of um, – recap the season and um, just talk about how proud you are of the effort that uh, your team put in this season. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's just, it just continues to be a, a tremendous story. Like last year we, we were ecstatic with the season that we had, even though we were you know below the middle of the table. Uh, we didn't qualify for the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, like we, 
we developed a supporters group and a fan base that like the club was just very, very meaningful for. And so we, we knew that we had something special going into the second season. And then, you know, we made some changes to the coaching staff. We, you know, we, we, we had a, a much larger, um, I think like a, a much larger presence. People knew about the club, more players wanted to come out. Um, the, we had more, op- we, we scouted more players ahead of time. Um, so that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a ton of super talented players that we did not get in touch with ahead of time. Um, and, you know, we were able to put a better product on the field this year and the fans responded to that too. You know, I'll tell you the, the, the season was incredible in terms of, you know, we broke our attendance record uh, a couple times uh, for the, the, the playoff match where we won the, the Atlantic White Championship and we, we hoisted the trophy, you know, over our heads. Uh, there was about 1,400 people in the stands, um, which is, you know, that's, that exceeded all of our wildest expectations. Um, but I think the best moment for the club this season was even though we lost on the road versus Clarkstown, you know, we, we brought like something like 200, I think it was like 270 fans, 250, 270 Stockade fans drove, you know, an hour and a half down there. Clarkson probably had, you know, 30, 40, 50, 50 fans. Um, and even though we lost, and it wasn't close, we lost by a couple goals here, right? Like the fans were there and they were just cheering and singing almost until they turned the lights off on us. Like 20, 25 minutes after the game was over. And, you know, it's just like this big, it's, you know, it's kind of an emotional experience where win or lose, the, the supporters have our backs. And, you know, the players love that and the fans respond to it. And, you know, at, at the, like, I really think that, um, you know, a lot of people brush off what happens in the lower levels. It's like, this isn't important. You know, it, it's not that interesting. You know, uh, we're, we're an amateur team. We don't pay our players, right? And like, oh, it's not important. Who cares? Like, you, you like come to those matches and see how much people care and then tell me that you don't care and that this is not meaningful for the sport. And I keep thinking that if, if we can do what we're doing, you know, and that gets replicated in a hundred different communities, like you are literally changing the perception of the sport in the country. And um, that's the opportunity that, that the NPSL has. And I think that's the opportunity that, that we have to encourage other people to do stuff like that. Uh, and that's the opportunity that like some of the biggest clubs in the, in the NPSL, the ones that inspired us, the Chattanoogas in Detroit that we looked at and said, we want to be them someday. Um, you know, they're inspiring us. We're inspiring other people. Like there, there is momentum here. And like, we're only two seasons. Sounds deep, like a pyramid. And, um, well, I mean, I'm, it is, right? I'm just, I'm just excited yeah. to see where it goes. That was a really long answer to what was probably a short question. But, um, no, yeah, no. I mean, there's just, there's just great stuff happening here. Um, Dennis, we, by the way, listeners, we have a bunch of more questions, but we only have five more minutes with Dennis, so I'm going to... I'll go, my... I can go a couple more, I'll go a couple more minutes. Because these are good questions. I want to make, this is like important to people, and I want to make sure that we answer as much as we can get through. Okay, terrific. So my question, because I'm going to use veto power here. Why did Ricardo reach out to Dennis Crowley and not, say, Rocco Camiso, who's been very uh, demonstrative in his interest in ProRail, or Peter Wilt, who has done much of the same? Why did he decide that uh, Dennis Crowley, with no disrespect, a team owner in NPSL, would be a better partner than someone else in D2 or D3? That sounds like it's a question for Ricardo and not for Dennis. Um, 
But I mean, I can tell you when, 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 when he and I sat down and we were talking about this, like we're both passionate, uh, passionate about this for the same, um, for the same, same, same reason, like wanting, wanting to see this exist in the U S thinking it's and believing it's great for the lower levels. And we kind of see eye to eye on it, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways to do it. What are all the different ways you can put together at the same time? Absolutely. Chris Drummond on Twitter asked, has Dennis spoken to anyone in MLS or heard from anyone in MLS since the litigation? Um, yeah, I mean, I have friends that work at the, at the MLS um, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, to be honest, my, my, my whole take on the filing is that like, if this is about the USSF and it's not about any right. specific league or any specific team, it's about the structure of, of the whole thing. And, um, you know, wanting to make sure that the structure gets, you know, gets properly put in place before the, you know, before additional changes to the pyramid are made, right? Like, right. I look at a lot of what's going, I mean, D3 is, is empty, right? And there's all these proposals about, like, we're going to put additional leagues in D3, which is great. Like, that's, we, we need that. But if we're going to be building all this additional infrastructure, there should be a vision behind it. Like, okay, well, how does that, how do these brand new leagues that we will create from scratch that will probably be filled with new teams created from scratch. How do we, you know, how does that connect to everything else? And if we're not answering that question, then we're not, we're, then we're, I think we're, we're doing it the wrong way. Uh, Ed Zelaski on Twitter asks, any plans or ideas for dealing with the lawsuits from teams that paid nine figure expansion fees? So basically, are you, are you ready for what will undoubtedly be legal pushback if uh, this happens? Uh, haven't even thought of that. Like we're thinking, <laughs> you know, like we're, we, we have the filing out. We're trying to see how that gets, how that unfolds. And, you know, we'll, we'll deal with the future as it comes. And what's next then Dennis? Um, that's, that's a great question. That's an important question. What's next, right? So the filing went out last Thursday yeah. and you know, now we, now we wait for the response, right? So I think USSF put out a statement acknowledging that, um, you know, acknowledging that they, they know about the, the filing. Uh, and then we wait to hear back from CAS. It could be three months, could be six months, could be a year. You know, it, it depends on, um, it, it depends on what their, their workflow is, you know? So there's that. And so what's next for me, what's next for Stockade, you know, keep doing what we're doing. We just finished the season. I've got a whole bunch of Excel spreadsheets to go through. We've got some more <laughs> t-shirts to make. We have holiday sales, you know, we're, we're operating a D4 club. So we've got, um, we've got two things going on and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated. Awesome. And, uh, on a personal note, uh, I've said this many times, it's, it's a, it's a thing we, we see in science that things become repetitive and insular and you always need someone from the outside to kind of break the, the hive mind. Uh, and that's when ideas and things become reality. And that's why I think what Dennis is doing here is unique. And we needed someone from outside the hive mind of American soccer to make this happen. So we appreciate what you're doing, Dennis, and we appreciate you joining us uh, on yeah. the spot. Hey, can I can I just make one comment about that? Like, I don't I don't want people I don't like it's not me that's doing all this stuff. Right. Sure. Like there's a there's a lot of people that are pushing this stuff forward. Sure. And there's a lot of people that are that are making their, you know, that are speaking up and saying, hey, this is we, we want this, too. Right. And and I think for a long time, you know, 
a lot of people have, have thought like, hey, this is just the way it is and there's no way to make any change. And so, you know, so be it. Um, and if, you know, if there's, if there's anything that's different now, it's just more people thinking creatively about, well, how do we, how do we actually solve this? How do we get people together to, to, you know, to, to, to address this? And I think the moment that you start saying, um, Hey, let's, you know, maybe we can, what does it look like? As opposed to, no, you can't do that. Um, I think that's, that's when start, that's when things start to happen. And, And I think that's, that's the moment that we're in right now. So. KJ, before we go, uh, we have to uh, give a shout out to our latest Patreon subscriber. Absolutely. Thank you to Gordon Widener, our latest patron. And he joins our growing list of patrons along with Joshua Favre, Scott Grimes, Charles Fenwick III, and our friend over at Cincinnati Soccer Talk, Brian Weigel. So to our patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We really appreciate your support, and we look forward to putting out some more special content just for you guys in the very near future. So thanks again for your patronage. Thanks for letting us be lower league shills. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you follow Dennis on Twitter at Dens, um, KJ at Kevin John, uh, at KJ Boxing, myself at Nipun Chopra 7 Sock takes is at sock takes. Dennis, any last words before we let you go? No, that's it. I appreciate you having me on the phone. And like, I appreciate the fact that you guys went through all of the questions that people asked online. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's important, right? Like you're giving a voice to all of these people and getting their questions answered and amplifying the message. And I think that's, you know, you're asking earlier, like, what are the things that fans can do to promote the lower levels? Like, this is exactly it. Like, ask questions, get them answered, amplify, and then bring your friends to games, right? And um, I think you guys are doing a great job at that, and so thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, everyone listening, this was episode whatever what. I already forgot which episode it was. <laughs> you were listening to uh, the Sock Takes Pod. Good night. <laughs>